Now, I think the first thing of order is we should all talk about people we've lit on fire. Welcome to the edge of nowhere. Everybody and welcome to the Monster Lore Tour Paranormal Deep Dives from the Edge of Nowhere podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Carr, here along with my co-host and the Batman to my Robin, Mr. Matt Ozero, a.k.a. The Moz. How we doing today, Moz? Good. Oh, but shouldn't it be like the penguin to my Joker? Wouldn't that be more accurate for... I guess that probably would be a little more relevant yeah. in our case, yeah. A yeah. L- little more antisocial. Yeah. I mean, we if we're say? doing like Bat Squatch tonight, maybe. Ooh, the Penguin to my Joker. Yeah. I like that. It should be Joker to my Penguin. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that for later. We'll use that one later. I like that it makes me the Joker. No, I should be the Joker. You're I'm the, the Joker? I'm the trickster. I don't want to be the Penguin. Type. You don't want to be the Penguin? Well, then you can say the Riddler to my Joker. Oh, the, the Riddler to my Joker. That yeah. makes more sense, like riddles and jokes yeah. anyway. Oh I like the Riddler. Good. Go. All right. Cool. I'll put it on the list for later. Nice. Right now, you're Batman and I'm Robin. Okay. Well, just, what, what? What just happened? All right. No. And fine. the reason you're let's just uh, the reason you're the Batman mm-hmm. is that you get to lead episode one. Wow. That's right. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. What, what are we going to talk about today? What are monsters? This is an intro episode, kids. So we're just going to get started. And uh, we just want to, you know, get the lay of the land and explain why we're doing this, why we're interested, what are monsters. What, what we're going to be covering topics-wise and whatnot. Yeah, our outline. It's, a f- it's actually going to be a, a great episode, and you, you might want to skip it and jump to something we think is funner, but this is going to be awesome. So stick around. That's You're my theory. Telling them to leave already, and we just got started. Yeah, that's it. That's my wrap-up. So. All right. Well, before we do the wrap-up, we should uh, put, be- do the episode. Since we want to do deep dives here, everybody starts off with the Nietzsche one, with the stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares back. We're not going to do that. When I stare into the abyss, I seem to see it cringe. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've been staring in the abyss for a year and a half preparing for this. Not an we've exaggeration. Done, we've done enough abyss staring. No more abyss staring for you. We're now jumping in. I'm jumping into another Nietzsche quote that we're starting with because we're so past the abyss shit. Uh, a preference for questionable and terrifying things is a symptom of strength. Mm. Froderick Nietzsche. I can dig that. Yeah. We're not going to, yeah. We, we skip the whole abyss stuff. So when you, yeah, like, like James Cameron liking fear kind of thing. gives you strength, like running into the fire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is the hero. We're on the hero's journey now. Yeah. yeah. Dig it, man. We're going to dig it. So first, I have a special treat to start, though. It's a surprise. Do you want to guess? No. 
This weekend, we're invited to my friend Ash Williams' cabin out in the Tennessee woods. There's an anthropologist out there already, and he's found a book, Bound in Human Flesh. Why does uh-huh. this sound familiar? Uh-huh. I think we'll b- just bring the girls. It's going to be great. Oh, should I bring my chainsaw and my shotgun? There you go. Yeah. The boom, boom stick. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Join oh us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> dead by no, down. We're not gonna dead do by down. We are not going to do that. We're brave sometimes, but we're not that brave. Today, we want to give an overview of what we're doing here, though. We want to get to the truth. We do want to do a deep dive. And we love the podcasts that are out there, but they don't quite seem to be deep divey what we're kind of shooting for. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're right. You can sure. let us know. But we want to try to, I don't know. Get a little more into it, make some more connections, theorize a bit. Um, basically, what we try to do is bring you all the different angles we can find on these things and then try to figure out what it all might mean. And I want to bring something new to it each week. And I want to, I want to solve some of this stuff. I want to pull the mask off of Mr. Perkin Jenkins. And we, we did say we, we needed to make the pact. I think we should do it on the air oh, right now. Oh, the pact. That yeah, the truth. Any true. episode we do, well, yes. the one I'm talking about, any oh. episode we do, okay. we have to bring something new to the table that right. we at least can't find anyone else saying about what we're talking about. Who brought about. the raw passato? I did. There you go. <laughs> I brought something new to this table. There you go. That was our kickoff. You know, we're little tequila before we go. Lo- trying to celebrate it up a little bit. Trying to celebrate, but I, I do think we're going to bring a lot of new and exciting things to this. And I didn't think that a year and a half ago, which is why we took so long. Part of it was I was a naysayer. I didn't want to do another episode on Thunderbirds, another episode on Chupacabra. We are going to do that, but we're going to try to add something, not made right. up something. We're going to actually try to. And we're, we're going to do a lot of multi-multi-parter kind of stuff. Think yes. one thing leading into another. Uh, one thing, going on one kind thing of leads to another. Going kind of on these arcs that follow the, that you know. That was an 80s arc. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was, honestly. I, 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 I had a hard time keeping my train of thought, wondering what the Sorry. hell you were doing. I sing in the background sometimes. You should know that. Okay, anywho. So I have a definition. Got? I have a definition for you. Um, really quickly, uh, monster started off in Latin with mon. How would you say M O N E R E? We are not good at pronouncing M O N Monaire. Monaire. So to warn, and then Latin was became monstrum, portent of monster, and then Old French it turned to monstre, M O N S T R E. We're late, almost there. Middle English, we got to monster. Oh, so it's Middle English. So it's been around a while in that vernacular in that form yeah and it's a warning we're going to break down this word much more in the future for sure uh but that's your warning about this warning so you've been warned that monsters are a warning repeatedly repeatedly (laughs) warned you've been warned (laughs) you know back in the day though the edge of maps were often labeled here be monsters to mark unknown territories and boundaries so here's a quote from is a doozy of a doozer quote from chet van doozer 2012 well there's a lot of doozing in there of cartography of monsters the knowledge from the experience of everyday life that monsters are known to be a small percentage of the overall population whereas at the edges of the world we hear of little except monsters at the boundaries what does he mean by the edges by the edge of the water for cartography, so on the map. Oh, and like in the tree line next to the field. That every boundary, yeah, everywhere there's a in boundary. In the sky, in the cave, boundary. Right. I get it. Boundary. Okay. We, hear not, we don't hear a lot about them in the village, but we hear a lot about them. 
on the edge. They're all on the edge. Exactly. Interesting. Yep. Monsters as boundaries. Here's a cool history of cryptozoology overview, and this is your first little reading. We're going to see how Jeremy does with actually oh, I'm reading, reading already the English language. Uh, we'll see. This is from a tricky matter of cryptozoology and proper terminology on mysteriousuniverse.org. The first thing to be understood is just what constitutes a cryptid, and just what cryptozoology entails. The term cryptozoology itself was first coined by French-Belgian zoologist Bernard Huevelman Huevelman. and his colleague, Scottish zoologist, that's hard, Scottish zoologist Ivan T. Sanderson, who both wrote numerous books on the subject, such as Huevelman's groundbreaking work on the track of unknown animals in 1955. Although the two were pioneers in the field, Huevelman himself would credit the term cryptozoology to Sanderson, who put together the Greek word kryptos, K-R-Y-P-T-O-S, kryptos, meaning hidden, with zoology, which literally became the study of hidden animals. As for the term cryptid, this word can most clearly be traced back to a September 1983 article in the International Society of Cryptozoology newsletter in which cryptozoologist J.E. Wall proposed calling these hidden creatures cryptids, meaning a living thing having the quality of being hidden or unknown. Again, that was tricky matters of uh, cryptozoology and proper terminology. I did have to borrow a brief history, but I feel like that was a good one. It was a few paragraphs, but sums it up nicely. Yeah, and I didn't realize that the term cryptid was actually that recent. Just 1983 was when it was coined. So cryptozoology is the technical term right. from which cryptid right. grew. Cryptid came from. Right, okay. sprang from, the cryptid, the cryptid sprang, sprang from the zoo. Sprang zoology. from the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> the cryptid escaped the zoo. Exactly, yes. at the boundaries. That same Mysterious Universe blogger also stressed the importance of getting our terminology right. And it's like it's never big feats, it's big foot, even if you're talking about plural. Uh, big foots? It's not. It's big foot, regardless of the amount. It's not really? big feet. It's so not it's big like foot. deer. There's a deer. There's some there's deer. There's a big foot. And there's a big foot. There's if it's some a herd big foot. of big foot, or if it's just a big foot, it's big foot. And I think it is. There's a few things that might be good ground rules. He also tries to define, and I like this, between ethno known creatures, things that were in the area that have been talked about in a tribe for decades or centuries. Right. The more mythical. Well, not even C- mythical. Creatures that have it, been it, there forever. Eth- ethno-known, like the Mapanguari or the Ogopogo or Big Feats. Okay. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> you're right. Big Feats. <laughs> you did it wrong twice in one. I did not even do that. It's either Big Foots or Big oh, Feet. Oh, my goodness. No. But no, it's Big Foot. Just correct. always Big Foot. Okay. Very good. I was just testing you. But those are ethno-known creatures. And then that's a cryptid. But if it's just something more kind of shapeshiftery, shadow people-y, paranormally, that's a, he wants to use the word cryptoid. Something even less defined. Yes. Cryptoid and cryptid. Oh, cryptoid. I, okay. I like it because cryptid is something, a creature that this group has seen and they think is out there. Cryptoid is something that... Like one little, person saw the cryptoid. Mm, a bunch of people saw the cryptid. That's part of it. And the other okay. part of it is it's more shapeshiftery paranormal it's a different and generally known like it's in the zeitgeist so to speak ethno known ethno known is the cryptid yeah and cryptoid is your is your more of the paranormal type okay 
uh, uh, changing shapes, changing patterns, more chimeric, something that really couldn't possibly be actually. That doesn't right. seem like it's even could possibly be an actual physical entity. Right. So, like a glimmer man sort of thing. Right. Right. Now that we got a little ground rules we have out of the way, I wanted to start off our adventure with an excerpt from uh, Mallory's Lamort, the Arthur. There's a reason I'm doing this. That's a wonderful name. King Arthur sees a beast prior to the onset of the Grail Quest, so that's, I think, the best kickoff besides oh, Rapasada. The, the monster you know? as the portal. Yeah, well, I'm going through the portal, yeah. The portal. And we'll get into that as we go, definitely. And Arthur chases down a deer, or heart, it's called in this, on his horse. But the, he chases the horse. He rides the horse so fast, the horse dies. That's mean. But his yeoman fetches another horse, and this is what happened when, when the king's sitting there. So King Arthur saw the heart ambushed and his horse dead. He set him down by a fountain, and there he fell into great thoughts. And as he sat so, him thought he heard a noise of hounds to the sum of thirty. With that, the king saw coming toward him the strangest beast that ever he saw or heard of. So the beast went to the well and drank, and the noise was in the beast's belly, like unto the questing of thirty couple hounds. But all the while the beast drank, there was not noise in the beast's belly. And therewith the beast departed with a great noise, whereof the king had great marvel. Boop. No horses or horse-adjacent cryptoids were harmed in the recording of this episode. Boop. This is a, the questing what? beast. What does the beast look like? It didn't describe it. Well, it you just know, said it was the weirdest was, thing he's seen. But it what was is it? Chimeric is my memory. Oh, it's like it's undefinable. A, so it's yeah. a cryptoid. Is a crypt very good? It's a cryptoid. But King Arthur sees this questing beast, and this is the precursor to the Grail quest. Wow! So I, I didn't know perfect. there was a monster portal at the front of that quest. As a boundary, we're gonna find a lot of them when there's a change in difference, and that's more from this. Oh, Cohen so it's like guy. a life boundary too. Like when yeah. you're having a major life change, that it's also on the edge of something right. where the monster shows up. And ours is the edge of nowhere, oh, which wow. is where you find the monster. You got me thinking already here, Maz. And when we get more steeped in the mythos, we can decipher that further. But for now, what's your first thoughts on that? He sits by the fountain, deep in thought. And he sees this thing. Do you have any anything come to mind from a mythical perspective? I'm putting you on the spot just because. It's like he's meditating. Mm, and yeah. he has a vision. That could right. tie to so many things. There you go. You already got it. So The meditation part is like a Buddhist thing? or what? Many, the, many, many. Yeah, the tantric piece of it. You've mm -hmm. got the meditation thing. You've mm -hmm. got the hypnagogic hemptopompic because he could actually oh, be slipping right. into another state of consciousness. In between mind states. Right, and we'll talk about that. We're not going to describe. We're just talking right now. But sure, sure. Yeah, we're laying, the, we're laying, laying the, the ground land. rules. Yeah. Other thing, pack of hounds and a questing beast. We have all these portal guardians. We have the pack of hounds right right we have this questing beast we have all this kind of imagery and the horse dying right. might even play it's into that i didn't even write that one down the yeah death. the so death of the horse death of the horse the sacrifice wow okay yeah. so wow it puts a whole new spin on that whole king arthur thing for me no that's awesome it's, you know and that's uh I thought that would be a good kickoff because arthur had a vision of a, of a beast before things started yeah and here we go again, right? And and it makes sense because then, you know, there's dragons and there's wizards and there's all these crazy things in that story. The Lady of the Lake and the Magic Sword. Right. 
make sense that it would start with a creature like that. Strange women lying in palms distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. <laughs> <laughs> well, that holds true, but the story is the story. That's true. So to tell us a little bit about us, um, if for our group, if this is Buffy, I'm Giles. If this is Scooby-Doo, I'm Velma. This is Three Investigators. Oh, my God, you are Velma. I am Bob Andrews of Three Investigators. I am... The shaggy in both those cases. I give all Fred. <laughs> Maybe Shaggy. Oh, I'm definitely the You're Shaggy. Definitely I even shaggy. have my dog with me. You're Shaggy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Her so, name is not Scooby Doo. But do you, but I do have my dog with me. More importantly, do you remember the three investigators? Um, they were like contemporary to the Hardy Boys, but they were better. You know, we all went with like what. Oh, you're you're going pre Hardy Boys. It's kind of the same. How old era. are you, Moss? How many same same era? I knew you were old. I'm than timeless. Me, but I'm timeless. Moz is timeless. I kind of remember the Hardy Boys. <laughs> kind of remember the Hardy Boys. I definitely don't remember the three investigators. Man, but don't get me started on Scooby Doo though, because Scooby Doo actually bugs me too. Even you what's know, wrong with Scooby Doo? It it. It should have been a monster, but at the end, it ends up being the only person we're introduced besides the person who called them every time. It's like I, someone calls, like, "Hey, can the gang come down with the mystery machine?" It's always the other person. They're debunkers. The you don't like the debunker part yeah, of it. That's it was their Where's shtick. the molder? It's not. A, it's not a good shtick. It's a you know, kids want monsters, and we always got some criminal-minded, you know. Yeah, it's true. Like the ghost is never actually. It's always the ghost Mr. Perkin and, Jenkins, the gardener. Yeah. I, I, anyway, I wanted to see a banshee. In huh. some episodes, I'm like, that has to be a banshee. How could right. this possibly not be a banshee? Yeah, there should have been stuff creeping around in the background that was real. Something. Give yeah, me something. something. But anyway, Scooby we'll Doo was still. We we'll love Scooby Doo, so don't the kids? I don't. We should have done a spoiler alert for kids who are just being introduced to Scooby Doo. <laughs> Dang, <we should've, laughs> they'll figure it out pretty <laughs> quick. I did, and I got very annoyed. Yeah. Even though I love Scooby Doo, I mean, we we all do, obviously. We all do D O O. Have you watched the new Velma? I oh no, I haven't. No, it's actually I've really seen good. The, I've seen, wow. It's really really weird. It is not what you think it is. Yeah. Not for the kids at all. Definitely R-rated. So put that out there. Definitely parental guidance on that one. All right. But, uh, yeah, I started watching it. It's really weird, but I couldn't stop. And by the end, I was like, wow, that was really good. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I saw the first season anyway. I don't know if there's more or not. Well, I also found something really cool when I was preparing this. I'm the esotericist, and you're the mystic. I'm the mystic. Think about this. Esotericist the mystic. There's via positiva versus via negativa. And that's why we're a good team. So hear me out. Via positiva okay. likes to study the map, the levels of consciousness, learn everything, all the caves, all the monsters, Jacob's Ladder, the whole shebang, the whole kingdom of monsters, and kind of map it out. Okay. The via negativa, you jump to those peak experiences by doing illicit substances. <laughs> <laughs> well, not just that. You make it sound like I do a lot. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I've had I've had a lot of history with psychedelics. I, when I was younger, there was definitely more often, uh, and I still do. I'm more ritualistic with it. I like to you know go out in the woods and I know you have do. a real you have peak experiences. It. You jump right to the to the chase. Yeah. Okay. And I okay. am in the background plodding along, reading my books. Uh, you know, in the library. It's very true. I throw myself in bodily. Right. Whereas you like more of the research part. I'm Giles and you're Buffy you're kind of Buffy <laughs> I get to be Buffy 
I think, I think. That's some good making up for having to be Robin earlier. <laughs> Here we go. I'm down with being Buffy. I, She's I'll badass, be, I'll be back at the library. But anyway, I'm, I think I'm right. And that's the two ways to f- seek enlightenment, viva positiva and via negativa. And I think okay. that's why we're going to be a good team. Cause why is, why is my negative? Uh, it it, it a, isn't. You, it's, it's, it's not. It's it has a negative connotation, yeah. but it's just there, it's yin and yang, dude. Gotcha. Okay. Yin and yang. You're just coming at enlightenment from a different perspective. Gotcha. And mine is the long way around. Dante was more of via positiva because he had this whole. A more positiva because you need to collect the data and the negativa. You don't. You don't need the information yeah, you when you're the negativa. It's more intuition. Mine It's yeah. more of that uh, INFP stuff. Gotcha. That, we're, that we were talking about. Okay. I I do want to say though, I do still do a lot of research for my episodes though. No, <laughs> I, don't I know want you it's to not get the perfect. Wrong idea. It's really not perfect. <laughs> but if we had to pick, um, I'm Buffy, right? Is that what you? No, I'm Buffy. <laughs> you just said I could be Buffy. <laughs> okay this once you get i got to be batman so i guess you're buffy right. i barely even know that show i know i'm fighting about this yeah i, I, know. <laughs> I just know she's a badass i, I just I, I just watched it because of this sh- i would never watch it except as research for the show <laughs> yikes <laughs> i'm afraid okay. of where we're going now uh, oh you should be oh you should be <laughs> But I do have some of the cryptozoological rock stars, and I want to kind of get them in here. And this is your kind of your next reading coming up. I have uh, Lorne Coleman from Maine Magazine. Um, a reporter kind of asked Coleman if he believed in Bigfoot, and I would like Jeremy to read that response. I believe in nothing, and I'm open-minded to everything. The evidence that I see, the tracks, the hair samples, the animals that are preyed upon, Those are all the physical evidence. I don't get into the paranormal, and I'm more into my philosophical internal clock or network of taking information in. I don't investigate a Bigfoot report and believe that report. Instead, I accept or deny the evidence. I really am very cautious of the two different ends of the continuum. Both can be very confusing to the excluded middle that I occupy. There are people who accept everything, They hear a noise in the woods and they think it's a flying demon or a dragon or a thunderbird or a Bigfoot. And on the other hand, there are the debunkers, the skeptics, with a big S. If someone comes along and says, that's foolishness, or those replicas that you have at the museum are toys, it doesn't bother me. I know why I have them. It's to represent what they might look like and ask witnesses, is that near to what you saw? I use them as measuring sticks for people to compare their experience with. I really don't put a lot of energy into arguing with people, and I'm absolutely not evangelical about cryptozoology. Rather, my brain needs to be stimulated and filled with passion, with different stories, with different experiences. I don't smoke. I don't take drugs. I have cryptozoology. It's everything I need. I made you read that for a couple of reasons. <laughs> this an, that guy is hard. This core, is an man. intervention. No, this is that from Lauren Coleman and the radical field of cryptozoology. I was shocked actually because I've known Lauren for a long time. He's one of the rock stars. He's you know the Mickey Mantle of cryptozoology, but he's really a. F- and this is a good time to describe a believability scale. He's like a five, and you wouldn't think that from he's Lauren right Coleman. In the middle. He doesn't he's believe or disbelieve. Be, he just right. looks at the evidence. He's trying to be a five. Uh, our our believability scale is going to be the Scully Mulder scale. So if you don't believe at all, you're a one. And if you're Mulder on the Mulder side, you're a ten. And we're going to practice this now. 
here's your here's your test for this. Okay. Uh, if the band Spinal Tap was an actual bona fide rock band, what number would they be on the believability scale? Eleven. Very good. He understands the scale, everyone, so we can move on. Yeah, I can dig it. Hopefully you guys do as well. And here's Linda Godfrey's take from I Know. Did did you know their drummer died? No. Spinal Tap's drummer died. I I, I can't even believe that. Like he actually died. Oh, you you mean? The the drummer from Spinal Tap. Oh, I thought you were joking because it's a... Because that's right? a funny joke. That guy had the funniest death you could ever have, and he's going to live forever. Because now forever, the joke is, did you hear the drummer from Final Tap Time? Wow. It, it you is, know? It's terrible, but it's awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, there you go. But here's Linda Godfrey, and another, I guess, a side note is I handed a Linda Godfrey book to Jeremy not too long ago, and she died within 48 hours of me. Oh, no. We're book. taking a bad turn here yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> We're getting all into death already. We're like not even halfway through the first episode. We are at a boundary. We are at We are on the edge. We are on the edge of this monster lore tour. That's why it's uh, from the edge of nowhere. And I know what I saw is the book, and she kind of gets to the heart of it, so I want to just do a short little clip from her here. Alas, interesting, these reports were I have found it is much easier to record encounters than understand them. 26 years of chasing quote-unquote monsters later still comes down to this. Are these sightings simply a combination of mistaken species of known animals, truly undiscovered animals, hoaxes and coincidences, or are they somehow, perhaps through the power of myth and legend, intertwined with the human mind? Ooh, and, and that, that question it. right there is why we need to have a podcast. That's right. Because we're going to try to get to the bottom of that. Exactly. And here's Nick Redfern, who I think adds another quick little uh, uh, gem to this as well. He says, collectively, all of these things amount to an absolute army of otherworldly creatures and half-human monsters that have plagued and tormented us since the dawning of civilization. And that from shapeshifters, morphing monsters, and changing cryptids. It is kind of mind-boggling how pervasive it is through history and through cultures and everything that these monsters are out there somewhere. Yeah, and I would say for those three cryptozoologists that I picked, uh, Coleman's a five, maybe Linda Godfrey's a six. He's after seeing so many accounts. By the end, she might have been a seven even. And Nick Nick Redfern is your molder. He's definitely on the moldery side of things. Right, right. He's the spinal tap of the gang, but he makes a compelling case for why this shapeshifter camp is so large and why all these things seem to happen in clusters and 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 why the and he's right they've been tormenting us since time out of mind which is what we're going to get to because i dig back to some of the original sources uh and i beyond wikipedia i did find a thing online even um i don't have the name of it i'll i'm sure it'll come up later but that database that i found the humanoid encounters yeah you just sent that there's something from like 2000 something bc on there that's awesome like that's how far back we have recorded stories yeah who who knows how far back it goes before that but like we have recorded cryptid type stories from well gilgamesh thousands of years ago gilgamesh has got some good ones in there we'll get to oh the bible's got Gilga some great cryptid and like giants and things like that stories oh going on no I'm, I'm i'm excited to get there and that's giants are on this list i want to go through the types of monsters so we can kind of get an idea of the general groups that what's considered a monster is that's what we're going to be talking about those okay. with physical deformities uh can be you know the elephant man yeah the uh i am not an animal 
I'm a human being. That X-File episode, do you remember the one where the mutants? Home. <laughs> that is the, one of the creepiest things I've ever seen on and TV. And that's monster. It's just genetics gone wrong. And it's Yeah, that's terrible. just inbreeding. Yeah. It's terrible, but it's genetics gone wrong. Hypertrichosis or porphyria, really hairy folks like in India. Mm. That, that I have porphyria, maybe. It's in my, it's in my family. <laughs> it really? My uncle's diagnosed with it. Wow. That explains why he kind of looks explains like... Explains the beard, right? Yeah. Little Jason Momoa and a little uh, Wolfman Jack sitting Yeah, there you go. Right I'll, I'll take Wolfman Jack, absolutely. So if I'm Velma, you're Shaggy with Porphyria. <laughs> shaggy with Porphyria, yes. And you are... Uh, actually, wolves. you look like Velma with Porphyria. <laughs> I'll, I'll you're way that. too hairy to be I'll Velma. I'll weigh that. I mean, you don't have my beard, but it's still a pretty good beard. I do like purple, but I can't pull off Daphne. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, But some of the other things are are just dwarves, things that are very small, or things that are very large can be monstrous. Um, Anything out of the norm can cause a a fear sort of reaction in people. Right. Just on on the instinctive level, even. Right. And the small people... Themes like, are everywhere. Everyone I've, has them. I've been walking down the street, and some guy who's obviously like over seven feet tall walks by, and you you do kind of get like a whoa, yeah, kind of feeling. Nothing against him. I'm sure great dude. Yep. I have friends who are almost that tall. Alex, Alex Bones, what six nine? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'm standing next to Bone, and I look up at him, and I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> this guy's huge. And we were just in the Superstition Mountains, and that was supposed to be a pygmy, pygmy oh, tribe there. Oh, yeah, we were, huh? But every region has their little small people or their giant stories. Right, or right. Um, and either way, it's scary because it's not what we would classify as normal. Exactly, exactly. And technically, I've actually done a little bit of research into the giant thing, as an aside. Uh, did you know that, like, technically, textbook-wise, any person over seven feet tall is considered a, a giant? Right. There, there's actually, so if you look at it that Giants way, among us. there's yeah. a pretty good amount of them walking around oh, if you yeah. just take it, you know, yeah. at that level. And I think it's when you- We'll fall. get into much bigger giants and other things when we get there, but I just thought that was an interesting real world fact that right. like Shaquille O'Neal is technically a giant. a giant. Like he really is technically a giant. Yeah, Manute Bull, you know, one yeah. of those guys. Yeah. So also unknown species are monstrous, you know, uh, just the biggest of any species. Do you remember that picture of the manta ray they have on the dock from, I don't remember, it looks like a picture from the 40s or 50s. There's a manta ray that's monstrous. Where's this? I, I, page four, I'm just giving examples. <laughs> for, I'm just giving examples of things that are big, Jeremy. Remember that thing you may never have seen in that place you may never have been? No, most of our fans out here <laughs> have looked through the biggest creatures, and the manta ray picture is monstrous. Oh, I see what you're saying. There's okay. also Hogzilla. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. So There's the, going to be new Hogzillas with that new breed of boar slash pig that's coming down from canada you hear about that i i yeah that's a new real world monster like they're monsters chernobyl there's things mutating now we're starting to see what's happening yeah what's happening to some i'm wondering if those dogs are going to start standing up and walking around on two legs or something pretty soon there you go we'll cover that yeah it's exactly up our alley yeah but but essentially uh the, the hogzilla one was 800 pounds but even little javelina are nasty if can you imagine one that could is 100 times bigger (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. My dog and I have definitely had some close encounters with Havelina, and I'm just so glad we've never actually gotten charged by one. The, the big, the, what do they call the males and females? It doesn't matter. The big old yeah. Havelina yeah. is a 
big thing to be reckoning with. Like you don't want that thing coming at you. Yep, I've had I have my own javelina story. Not as bad as a bear, but yeah. And the, the you have a really good javelina story, <laughs> which the Patreon members only. Yeah, <laughs> but even even the uh, what Jeremy Wade pulls out of fresh water is the monsters that he's pulling out. If you didn't have, if you heard about this. If someone told this story, people wouldn't believe it. And then he catches this thing in this little pup puddle. That's this monstrous fish. Yeah. You know, yeah. Episode after episode. There's that oarfish picture too. Yeah, the oarfish. That's a good one. Is, or, like 30 people holding up the one oarfish. Yeah, yeah, it's a 20, 25, 20-foot 20 creature. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outdo that in my first episode next week. Yeah. So the other thing, and this is one you might not have heard of, and that's what we always want to make you think outside the box a little bit. There's the monstrous microcosm. Monsters inside of us, not just tapeworms and stuff, but on a microscopic level. Uh, I happened to read during the pandemic, I read Mary Jane Rubenstein's Pantheology. It's a great book. Really, I really enjoyed it. And this chapter on called Heil blew my mind. It was one of those I'm just sitting there and only read a stuff. paragraph. Yeah. yeah, I only read two paragraphs. But I like read that two paragraphs for an hour. Yeah, the microscopic <laughs> is probably freaks me out the most. Well, uh, basically, she says, and actually, there's references within references. This is a very scholarly work. I'll try to do best I can just explaining it. But we find the major evolutionary drive is the acquisition of symbionts, little things that work together best. Okay. And they're kind of building symbiotic and organisms, from, yeah. right? And that's more Gilius and or. Or organisms are not individuals struggling against other individuals, but rather independent crowds of creatures working adaptively together. That's true. That's we got like quote. trillions of things in us and on us that make us work. Right. It's it's crazy. You look at the human body, it's like a universe unto itself. It's right. Or at least a planet unto itself. And I knew that, but reading this, it just kind of blew my mind. Mira Heard, in the same couple of paragraphs, called it an ontology of primordial entanglement. And that even that was just like one of those. Wow. wow. Yeah. And then here's the quote from Pantheology's basic units of biology ought not to be individuals, but rather holobionts, multi-species assemblages that are both more and less than one. All organisms are effectively chimeric. So nothing is one thing. Right. Similarly and strikingly for those who might be listening out of categorical transgression, uh, Sagan goes on, it's not Coral goes so far as to say celebrate this irreducible chimerism as monstrous yeah that is kind of monstrous donna haraway calls it relationality all the way down you want to hear monstrous there are mites crawling around in your eyebrows right now okay continue (laughs) (laughs) yep speaking to the mite i just freaked a lot of people out with that one speak better into the mite because of this entangled monstrous microcosm, Donna Haraway argues the next epoch should be called Cthulhu scene. Ah, Cthulhu. Cthulhu scene. Next oh, epoch. No. So we're going to have like 10,000 years of darkness on Earth because the Cthulhu uh, are coming? You know, these are microbes. They are tiny. We got to remember that. Yeah, just because they're small. I mean, the size of the Cthulhu doesn't matter. It's still 10,000 years of darkness, right? Yeah, but you sneezed out a bunch of these Cthulhus earlier today. So don't, don't get too I have Cthulhus in me? <laughs> See, this is why I don't like the microscopic side. (laughs) This part really freaks me out. I'm like cringing in my chair right now. Move on. (laughs) I have Cthulhu in me. Really good book. Check it out. (laughs) Mary Jane Rubenstein's Pantheologies. But we are walking communities of collective tribes of tininess is basically what they're Uh, getting at. And the boundaries get murky. And at the 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 edge edge of boundaries uh, are monsters. 
monsters on the whoa microbes. so how does that translate so like in between those microorganisms and the actual human there can be monsters in us as well monsters inside of us is we that should, what cancer we do a is? TV is cancer show. really just a monster manifesting amongst the other things within us one of the many i would say wow and some of them work together and then some of them at the edge the ones that don't work with the other ones yeah. are the monsters are the monsters the ones yeah. that don't play nice the abnormal because that's what cancer is is abnormal it's, cells it's right a, it's abby normal wow it really all ties together yeah mel brooks i knew would come in at some point so the My other brain is fine thank you <laughs> the other one is altered states dream monsters we're going to go into this because this is one of my us files i'm going to do someday i'm going to do a really get into night terrors hag mara succubi and alien abduction snares machine elves astral entities dogs and cats living together castanitas chaos in chaos. the streets castanitas inorganic beings portal guardians evil malevolent presence yeah here we go so that's going to be fun and and like i said i I, I this one strikes and i'm gonna do a whole bunch of other stuff you didn't even start talking about yeah nice Not, and you know, we, we can tag team on that episode yeah. if you want uh, but the paranormal of course we're gonna hit on we got to do ghost apparitions poltergeists um monstrous and deadly there's hallucinogens we see things when we're on hallucinogens that seem yeah. monstrous oh yeah Again. totally uh, especially if you take it in the wrong place at the wrong time and whatnot a bad trip is pretty monstrous yeah i've seen the devil a couple times there you go we'll probably talk about that on one of the podcasts sure and meditative monsters i bet you that's a new one for you meditative monsters well there's a tantric component to it but there's also well, we were talking so this goes back to the king arthur you were talking about he's meditating saw the monster started his quest right is that in these lines right in in some ways um, altered states, meditation, very similar. So upon waking is hypnagogic. Upon no, upon sleeping, hypnagogic. Upon waking, hypnopompic. Right. The borders. So in the in the medit- monsters are that there. that's included in the meditative. In some ways, it's, it's related. What's yeah. distinct about it? Like meditative is just we change our brain state, and all of a sudden we see these things. Well, yeah. When you go through the process of you know the meditative and consciousness. Pieces. I'm pretty good at meditating, the, so I, I get what you're going for. The, the boundaries tend to be pretty monstrous when you get to different levels. And I have a theory, and I talked to you a little bit about this, that at, at the borders of both, it's not my theory, I'm just kind of expanding on it a little bit perhaps, but there's angels and de- demons, but at each level, it's like Ishtarasha at the top, Ishtadiva at the bottom. Um, it's like if you're going up a level, you're going to see this symbolic image of like a, a god or a goddess, and that's kind of how you first get to the next level of consciousness. If you're going down, it's an Easterasha. So there's monsters on either side of the level, each boundary right. of each level of consciousness. Right. So I'm trying to look into that more. Rudolf Steiner I found, and, uh, and this Co- Jeffrey Cohen guy, and there's a lot of folks talking about this, and uh, even on the meditative side. On, from the transpersonal folks, there's some mention of it. But I was really trying to get at, and boy, went on a tangent there. But INFJs, <laughs> INFPs. That was good. that was a tangent? It was wow. a tangent. I didn't I, even realize a, we weren't still in Yeah, we so. weren't still there. But INFJs, INFPs, the fact that, because we are sitting with what an about, INFP yeah. from Myers-Briggs. What about them? Well, they essentially have some superpowery kind of things, and they tend to have symbolic um, you're not supposed to tell everybody I'm a superhero. She's, she, you know? yeah, you are a superhero in my mind. So. You're, you're blowing my cover, Moss. Well, you know, negativa, you get right to it. And part of that is that intuitive um, feelings and, and, and perceiving that you can do that others maybe can't. 
Yeah, okay. So there's a Myers-Briggs. Yeah, I definitely have some sense. And for those not familiar with that, we're talking about personality tests, the Myers-Briggs. There's the uh, introverted intuitive feeling and judging, which is the INFJ, and the introversion intuitive feeling and perceiving, which is the INFP. They tend to be the folks that are are clairvoyants. They tend to be the folks that see ghosts. They tend to be the folks that see monsters. Wow. Uh, And they're on the edge of... Of, I didn't even of know our I'm, personality levels before we reach another, another personality level as humans. So they are also oh, at the edge of again, that. Again, on the on edge. The edge. Yeah, that's what oh, I'm trying wow. to get at. Because that's on the edge of of human uh, consciousness, basically, as far right. as personality types go. Right. So we're more likely to see these monsters. Exactly. Altered states of consciousness. Um, does these that, that's kind of explain a lot about me. I think. I do. I Not that I have a ton of stories, but I have some pretty intense ones. And and my, I'm 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 kind of everything. I'm kind of a chameleon. I'm very chimeric when it comes to Meyer Briggs. So I'm yeah, I believe that. I believe that little little personality disorder there, boss. <laughs> I no, was I'm a, just kidding. I he's, was acquitted. He's fine. He's I was fine. acquitted. <laughs> I, I was. Humans as monsters is the other one we're going to get into, and I know you're going to take the lead on this. But okay. there's going to be some true crime. There's going to be some cannibals and yep. Hannibal's. <laughs> Cannibal, Hannibal, gonna take me a little sorcerers, bit. evil witches, it, zombies. It's going to take me a little bit, but I know everybody likes the true crime, and there are some uh, particularly serial killer type people that I oh, haven't seen lot. covered too much, not the ones you always hear, the Bundys and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a little more, I mean, not that they haven't been covered. They're just covered less. Right. But I'm, I'm starting to find some angles on one that I'm definitely doing at least one of those come. I don't know. I, I have an arc, but... You know, a dozen episodes from now anyway, it might take, but we'll we'll get into that, yeah. But you're going to try to bring something new to it, and yes. even if he has to be a copycat and go out there and make his own news, he will do that, right? Bring it up a notch. Right. I, w- I, notch. I will use my superpowers <laughs> to come up with a new angle on it, even, <laughs> even if it's nonsense. It, if it makes, if I can make it sound good and then say I don't believe it, but at least right. something. He's not going to go on a killing spree. But I won't cheat like that too much. I, I do have, I have one that like the theory exists but it's very little known, so I'm hoping to get it done before everybody knows about it, and then at least it'll sound new. Yeah, you know, last year and a half, because we've been practicing and, 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 and researching and getting ready for this, I keep calling Jeremy every few weeks and say, I know who the Loch Ness Monster is. It's Mr. Jacob Perkins. And then I find, oh, wait, someone wrote a book about this. Never mind. Right, and right. It, it isn't Mr. Jacob Perkins. Yeah, or it those is. Those damn debunkers, else, man. Those well, Scooby-Doo debunkers. Or I find it is Mr. Jacob Perkins, but somebody also discovered it was mr jenkin perkins and then i'm sad a little bit and you know it's my ego getting in the way but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll overcome the ego that's part of what we're doing and you would have gotten away with it too if it weren't wasn't for those, for those damn meddling kids. kids here's here's your favorite this one i did for you clowns there's uh, a whole yeah. section on clowns jeremy has a thing for clowns i don't know why well i wouldn't put it that way <laughs> I have an inner clown. <laughs> he has Let's an put, inner clown. That's how I would put it. Jeremy yeah. has an inner clown. And we don't want to see that inner clown ever. So he, He's ever. not really allowed out anymore. <laughs> we, we talked about actually having you dress as him and doing an episode. The funny part is, dude, is I, I did that on Halloween a couple times. A podcast? And then the next, the very next year was when that whole clown scare yeah. of that time came out. When mm-hmm. there were all those crazy clowns like scaring the hell out mm-hmm. of people everywhere. I'm like, damn, I can't wear my costume anymore. Somebody's going to shoot me or something. Yeah. Well, Jeremy has an altar, and it comes out during this, and I wouldn't even want to interview you as as Bubbles. Oh, my friends hate me when I put it on. Like, yeah. no one likes it. 
No. Except me. It's really not well, okay. Well, I wouldn't even say except me. I would say except Bubbles. Because yeah. after the last time, once I got home from that Halloween, mm-hmm. I literally like, once I washed the makeup off, I looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I probably shouldn't do that again. Ever again. <laughs> never do that again. But he, he's, a, he's an evil clown, that Bubbles. Yeah, I, 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 I've seen Bubbles I once. didn't commit any felonies or anything, but. That we know of. I definitely scared the hell of a lot of people. And the last thing to just wrap this up, any new species caught. You know, the giant squid is in the books. It's one of the exciting ones in the cryptozoological world because oh, yeah. we found something big, and that's not the biggest one. It, it was went off mi- the Japanese coast. I love not the, the biggest one. I love the giant squid because it was myth for so long, and then all of a sudden it was real. Most of those people who dealt with a, a t- giant tentacle coming over, the, it, you know, all these stories could now be validated. Yeah, totally validated. And uh, my brother-in-law has a story about when he was on a submarine of one of his shipmates saying, and it's very, very common to hear this story, it's it's almost a trope that they there's a, a big eye following the ship, and it's a saucer-shaped eye, and it's a giant squid, and it's thinking the submarine is food. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. The, well, think so, about it. If a squid, yeah, if it's think about the whales. Think about the size of an eye in in like a normal sized squid. Right. It's still huge. Yeah. It's one of the biggest eyes in the world. Yeah, blow that up to yeah. I don't know ten, twenty, however many times bigger. If that eye becomes proportionate, oh my god! Like that eye's as big as your car, kind of thing. The one we saw off the coast of Japan, that sixty to ninety foot. That is a baby. I'm just telling yeah. you, there's bigger ones out there. Oh, gonna, down down in the deeps, man. There. Down in the deeps. We know more about space than we do about the ocean. Like, we know more about the moon than we do about the bottom of the ocean. Yep. And I'm going to do an episode a little in the future that will show us how little we actually know about the moon. There we go. But our focus, our mission statement really is we're going to cover the creatures deemed monstrous. Um, all types uh, will be more theoretical and other times hopefully baiting those trail cams because we do want to catch a real beast too i don't want to lose that's the frustrating we're tell the part. stories we're going to tell the spooky stories we're going to discuss the real creature but sometimes we are going to get into theory because what linda godfrey said sometimes is it is it mixed into the human psyche uh, that we see these things and it's really going to be tough to hash out sometimes sometimes it's going to be a monster in the woods well, sometimes you know it's going to be what a mind is. monster projected into the woods w- what is it in my mind and this fits right in. I just realized how well this fits in with what you've been teaching me today so far. They live on the edge, right? Living on the edge. That, yeah, that edge between... Shit, I just lost it. The liminal... What were we places. just talking about? That edge between... Oh, the real and the the psychic, I guess. The real and the imagined. Right. Because the brain needs to get like it's not that these things aren't real it's just that your brain needs to achieve a certain state in order for you to be able to see them see what i'm saying they live on that edge between physically being real and perceivable within our what we would call world you know this perceivable world I'm, i'm totally with you on this they live right in between that and where you do like enter that dream state enter that psychedelic state, enter that meditative state. It's that hypnopogic, hypnagogic, the upon waking and upon sleeping. People have that 30 seconds of in between. Mm-hmm. That's like the only place maybe you can see them. Right. And we're going to get to that because wow, you're right on. They're right on the boundary 
of being real and not real. But there's also a piece. Real, as in physical. But there's a piece that you hit on, we're going to get to it when we talk about like hermetic knowledge, that when you look at it from a different level of consciousness, the same experience is going to be viewed differently by different people. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I got an example of the that. mindset. Yeah. I think today. Wow. I think I have okay. it at the end, so we'll get there. You're jumping ahead. But you're a good student, and that's, you know, surprising. No. <laughs> I kid. I love um, learning from you, Maz. That's, that's why you're go. my partner here. here. That's go. why you're the Batman. That's right. Um, so anyway, so we got some commonality stories we're going to be discussing. I made a spreadsheet I want to show you, and it's really getting away from my first episode, but... It, we want to do spreadsheets. We want to do. This is that work of mad genius you were telling me about with like 42 columns or something on a spreadsheet, right? Yeah. Someone really has to teach me how to use Excel better. <laughs> yeah. I used to have people for that in my day job. Be like, you know, like, could you make this Excel spreadsheet look really nice? And this is what I want on it. Now I have to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. if anybody's we, out there, we, we need, need an intern. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. We need yes. an intern. But we want to break down these things as far as sound, height, weight, you know, locomotion. We want to break down each thing that people are seeing and try to find out why, what's similar, what are people seeing most, and what are people seeing that are maybe outliers. What are the overlapping what are the patterns, characteristics? What are the themes? Correct. Because you're saying they're they're uh, chimeric. They're not just one thing. So what if it's all? What if ultimately it is just one thing taking all these different forms? The, the red eye ones and the yellow eye ones and the black eyed ones and yeah. what what if they all stem from the same origin the same root as it were I think you're getting too uh, negativa on us yes I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm diving in bodily see that, that you totally you got my number I want to look man. at the data and see where the data leads okay? I, I am the negativa like INFP I can't help you're myself jumping ahead to the end and I'm going to Coleman this stuff okay you know? any I'll do my anywho, anywho. that clears my brain. Anywho, back to you, Maz. <laughs> Thank you, sir. But no, you're right on. We're going to talk more about that, but I do want to get this data together, and then we're going to discuss what we're seeing, and we're going to have more to come on a lot of these issues. Um, some of the mythical, anthropological, archetypal, comparative myth stuff I love. So I'm, you have to reel me in sometimes because I get into that a little bit. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard. I love that stuff too, but I'll do my best. I came across this. Yeah, I know. We, we, we both like it, so hopefully we don't go too off onto that. Because like I said, some people want to hear the scary stories. They want to get sure. to the real monster, and we'll theorize ourselves into oblivion if we don't, right. we don't watch right. it. And we want to bring you a bunch of everything on this. So we're doing interviews, and we're doing the stories and yes. accounts and stuff, but also the theorizing and the deep research and all that. But we want to rip the mask off Mr. Jenkinsberger. Yeah. We w so we want to debunk the debunkers and take the mask off the Bigfoot and yes. say, see, he is real. What if it's Scully under there? <laughs> I'd be psyched. <laughs> but then it was kind of a lie. Gillian Anderson's awesome still, man. But she was just lying to us. She was pretending to be the monster. So she was kind Ooh. of, I'm just saying, if she ends up being the monster, I don't like so her as much. So Scully was the conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, you're breaking my heart, dude. <laughs> Let me get back. Yasmin Musharbash, Musher, Musher I found recently. Try that again. <laughs> okay. Well, I found Yasmin Musharbash. She is a professor, uh, and she is into the whole monster scene, and she's got some great stuff. And here's a little quote from her, I think. is a good kickoff quote. 
More often than not, anthropologists focus their efforts on distinct monsters. They work either on witches or spirits or the devil, but make little or no reference to any overarching theorization of a monster as a phenomenon. And that's, That is the error that they make in the mainstream, absolutely. And that's what we're going to do. Because Yasmin's doing it too, and, and, and uh, I'm reading a lot of her stuff, and we're going to do it here, and we're going to... Like I said, we're going to solve some of the, these things. Let's but, hope. Yep. Um, and the other piece of it is, you know, the, on the mythos side is, you know, why are some of these global themes so pervasive? And the two pieces of it is there's the local kind of flavor, that ethno-known. This Ad, Adolf Bastian was kind of a precursor to, like, Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung. And he had this Volkgedanken, which is, like, the the people's story you know that the flavor of the area of a critter right and then there was these more elemental gedanken which he said was more kind of ties into the archetypes and like everybody experiences something similar so there's a local color and flavor and there's a monster that seems to be pervasive in the maybe the human psyche maybe it's out like you have the werewolf you have the dog man you have the skin walker like all kind of on the same branch of the tree right it depends on where in the world you are as to which version of it you're going to get yeah and people also get really annoyed when you step on their volkadonka and their their personal story leave my volkadonka exactly and and we don't want to do that we want to try to be honor the tradition of the area but we are structuralists or at least i am in a way where we're trying to also shovel things into one thing and people don't always like that so for those of you who are offended by that, that is what we're going to be doing. Right. Uh, we mean no offense. We're trying to find the commonalities, which means we're going to be grouping things together in certain ways. We might cross up our terminology a bit and whatnot, but, you know, it, we're... A work uh, in progress. Yeah, we're, we are all-inclusive paranormalists. We're just trying to get to the bottom of things is all. Yeah, and let us know if we, we mess up. We'll try to make good. If you're super yeah, sensitive totally. about these things, maybe this isn't the place. Oh, and for I haven't it. mentioned, this would be a good time. If you do want to uh, try correct us on something we may have gotten wrong, give us some additional information to lead us farther down the path, things like that. Uh, email Jeremy directly tell because us, it wasn't me. It was probably and him. most importantly, tell us your own stories because we do want to start getting the listener stories coming in. Uh, easy to remember, just monsterlorator at gmail.com. Uh, eventually we're going to have some chat set up on the website or other places, but we haven't quite got that far yet, but you can always email us at monsterlortour at gmail.com. You know how far we did get, though? How far did we get? To Carl Jung. Nice. And he has. We went so far, we're young again. We're back to the archetypes. I just want to, you know, he had, an, uh, he had a belief that actually the the each expression. The helicopter's even, here. Well, it's perfect timing. Hear that. It's perfect timing because UFOs, which we don't know necessarily, it's a helicopter right now. Right. Even though we do because right. we're like five feet from a hospital with a heliport. Yeah. But he thought that the UFOs were this new budding Mandela, which was kind of like bursting forth this new level of consciousness, and that's the symbolic representation of it. And again, that's that inter- right. how we're interpreting it now is right. through UFOs. So the he kind of got into this up. a little bit. Yeah, that this is the... When you get that, that's the Ishtadiva. You get a little taste of it symbolically yeah. reaching that kind of next level. We're going to talk more about that. I know we're kind of off topic with that a little and bit. I will be getting into UFO, at least UAP tangent stuff very soon. Real soon. Very yeah. soon. And uh, the three things that happen in uh, monstrous myths, uh, they're sent by gods to punish humans, but there's three things 
that they you can do when faced with a monster. And Jeremy, what would you do? This is the, the mythic side of life now. What would you do face with a monster? It's a real monster. We're talking about a folklore, a mythic kind of vibe. What would okay. you do? You're um, in a knight. You got a sword. There's a monster. Okay. What's your three choices? I am Beowulf. Hear me roar. And Grendel's coming. Exactly. Okay. Or Grendel's oh, it's mother. The, uh, it's both of them. The uh the the Fs, yeah, the the flee yeah. fight freeze. And don't do the other thing with the monster because they don't like that. Right? Something like that. The other F don't try or, it. Uh, don't try it. Oh right. <laughs> I I there. gotta do it though. But, well, right. you can run, you said one of them. You can flee. Yeah. That was You run, you flee, you fight, or you you control, like you you tame would right. be the other one, right? Are the four things you could do? There's one, one, there's a couple more, but that was, that's great. So basically Good you can start. run Am from I it. Good start, close? <laughs> yeah, and you can run from it. Sometimes th that's considered the fail of the hero's journey. If Running is the coward's way, right? But it's sometimes the best way. I mean, Survive it, to fight another day. Survive. Too. I mean, if it's, you no, know, uh, like Odysseus didn't kill Polyphemus. He injured him and snuck out of the cave. Like right, you, Sometimes right. getting out of there is the best thing you can do. Yeah. But slaying it is what's most common. That's the hero's journey which is kind of a more of a symbolic thing to moving to a next level of consciousness. You know, you're kind of slaying oh, true, beast right. of individuate, you know, you're kind of becoming individuated and you're kind of moving on to kind of being a master of your environment. It's reaching like exercising level. your demons, killing your monster, all that yeah. stuff, achieving a new level of consciousness or, or existence right. or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Emotionality maybe sometimes. Yep. And uh, and then taming it is an, another great way. And the one who did that was Gilgamesh with Enkidu. You remember those Sumerian? Enkidu. Yeah, Enkidu was the kind of wild man that Gilgamesh fights and then befriends. Oh, yeah, the hairy wild man. It's really just another boy in a squatch story. If you boy want to in a squatch. There you go. <laughs> But I want me a squatch. Yeah, but you, not well. I have my dog. She's she's all I need. But he tamed it, and that's the other thing. The other piece of it is you can surrender to it, which actually isn't a cop out, depending on the situation. That's the Why? freeze, right? The surrender. Freezing is different. Freezing is you're scared and you're prey and you're going to be eaten. Oh, you're talking like surrender. Surrender like, to the experience. Just give of yourself happening. over without fear. It's not a Correct. fearful thing. Correct. It's just a giving yourself over. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories about that from Jonah to Hiawatha to Raven to some Zoom to, legends. To Jesus on the cross. Like he accepted that. He didn't need to do that. Yeah, the death right? of the lower that was, self. That was his surrender to. Right, the death of the lower self. Yeah. And then kind of a, a ride twice so more that and stuff. So he could go through that portal that sometimes I guess death is the portal rather than a monster Back itself. to the death. And the shaman's journey is the same thing often it's swallowed by the snake you have to just relax be swallowed by the snake that's part of the initiation you're right, torn apart right. but you're put back together usually usually usually, usually. they get a bone they add a bone you know but it's all, you know when you take some apart and put it back together you usually Never have a couple of those screws same. left over that's a couple screws happens. left over that's actually part of the shamanic piece is yeah. that there's like an extra bone or a missing way like, yeah. so they don't quite get it right it's like an ikea like, they don't have the, the directions <laughs> Uh, whatever. We, he doesn't need <laughs> He's that. He's fine. fine. He's going to be fine. <laughs> but there's one more thing you can do with him, Jeremy. Oh, boy. And I just added this this morning. Okay. This morning, huh? You can make a podcast about them. Ooh. Yeah. That's the best That's idea. That's the best idea. That's the best had. idea. I'm going to end this section with a little young. 
As scientific understanding has grown, so our world has become dehumanized. Man feels himself isolated in the cosmos because he's no longer involved in nature and has lost his emotional and conscious identity with natural phenomena. These have slowly lost their symbolic implications. Thunder is no longer the voice of an angry god, nor is lightning his avenging missile. No river contains a spirit, no tree is the life principle of a man, no snake the embodiment of wisdom, no mountain cave the home of a great demon. No voice now speak to man from stones, plants, and animals, nor does he speak to them, believing they can hear. His contact with nature is gone, and with it has gone the profound emotional energy that the symbolic connection supplied. And in a general case, I absolutely agree with that, the state of the world now. We're, humans generally are so detached from nature, I think it's going to be our downfall. Yeah. Uh, past tense at this point but <laughs> yeah like it's Yay. happening already we, it's we're not going to get political on here we said yeah. but so we'll yeah. leave it at that we'll but. leave that at that but i'll spend some time there in mythic lands um to try to revive some of those water sprites and nymphs you know yeah. and uh but don't look at them when they're bathing because sometimes that could the really imps are my favorite badly yeah the nymphs and the sirens they're fun. They're fun for a little while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to crash your ship and I'm, I'm a couple hooves short of being a satyr myself. So <laughs> I don't know. I've seen you play the flute in the in the woods. I didn't say I was good at it. Yeah. So, but anyway, I also want to approach it from the philosophical, neuropsychological, cognitive approach. So we're going to do the latest theories. We're going to bring the Mulder side in the Scully Muggles. We're going to find out our Scully Muggle is basically the non-believer who we deal with all the time. The baloney detector people, right? The Carl Sagan's of the world, the demon haunted worlds. Um, I, I believe the uh, segment is called Sir Richard Scully Muggles Skeptics Review. There you the, go. That kind of explains it all right there. There you go. Uh, and then Colin Wilson has a quote here. I wanted really quickly. While I was by no means entirely skeptical, I felt most people are interested in the supernatural for the wrong reasons. And he was talking about Interesting. us. He was talking about us, Jeremy. No, I think we're in it for the right reasons. We want to educate. We want to expand minds we want to discover new truths that's the right reason to do something right but we're the cryptozoologists your mother warned you that you warned you about we are those cryptozoologists well yeah my mother warns me about myself a lot <laughs> <laughs> can that be our logo we're the cryptozoologists your mother warned us about we're the podcast your mother warned you about there you go and then spiritual consciousness we talked about really quickly um we're gonna get into that whole guardian portal stuff that's going on from the hindu side to all the different why these portal guardians tend to show up time and time again and how relevant it is to the, all these sightings in the woods i think there's a there's an argument for that we're going to get into the kabbalah hermetic wisdoms open up those grimoires dust off the top it's time to get jinkies with it as velma getting would say. jinky with we're it going to get jinky with it we have an alhul guano file which is basically our the alhul was a is a, is a bat creature so we have this a whole guanophile. Well, the Ahul is a giant Batman. Well, I guess we started this episode right. Yeah. Uh, so Ahul guano is giant bat shit theory. Right. Is basically what that translates to. Yep. Ahul. The craziest thing we can think of on the topic we're discussing. It's kind of a non-thought experiment because it's really no thought. Yeah. Involved. There you go. <laughs> but additionally, that's uh, that's where we get to be as weird as we want is in the Ahul guano segment. Yes, and then we follow it up with my favorite and your favorite segment, the Wolfman Puck. That is a cr very controversial segment. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Well, we might be our had best, a couple of practice episodes. It's my favorite. How would the critter taste, and what beer would you serve with it? I mean, we want to kind of pair if it with the, the right beer from the right regional area. Right. So if, if, if the Wolfman had a cryptid, a, a restaurant that served cryptids, and we're uh, not eating it ourselves. I just want to drive that home because I know some of the things that are coming up, and I don't. I I definitely do it under protest in some episodes. <laughs> that's right but weirdness is Ma, already, Maz is a mean dude let's but put it that way weirdness is already afoot because I told you strange things have happened since I've started researching this yeah so strange things have happened even in my world uh, that are somewhat disturbing somewhat interesting sometimes funny Maz I had to move because of this podcast we'll get into that later though you, you haven't told me I know you moved but you didn't tell me the whole We'll get into we'll get it into later. That. Okay. Jump in the gun. There That's a go. few episodes array. Well, nice. But on, you know, basically I want to wrap it up here, but, uh, you know, I want to leave you with one last thought because we're also going to look at this from uh, a Hardy Boys perspective is really what I want to do. Are we seriously <laughs> talking about the Hardy Boys again right now? <laughs> well, you know, we got to bring in Scooby-Doo. This is we a gotta paranormal podcast, dude. In, I, in the 21st century, and you're coming at me again with the Hardy Boys. There's already history here, and because we've practiced a couple episodes, I think art mimics life, and I talk about Scooby-Doo and the Hardy Boys a lot, and, and Jeremy hates it, and we're going to have to hash this out <laughs> in real time. Well, I love Scooby-Doo. The Hardy Boys thing, you kind of lose me. Okay, I, but I went with three investigators dating, over dating that. Dating yourself. I, you know, I would never date myself. You know, I'm, I'm not my type. No one else wants to date you yeah, either. Oh, no. hey. Hey, <laughs> hey now. <laughs> I set you up for that on purpose, by the way. This is true. So, but essentially, I wanted to end with an example here. Uh, and it comes back to exactly what you said, because you already kind of hit on it with... Uh, if, if you look at things from a different perspective, your people who are in the same room might be having a different experience with a phenomenon that's happening somewhere. Right. And this is kind of a hermetic. There's different poles of energy. So if you look at it from a very dark place, kind of a middle place, and kind of a very high place, you might actually see something different. Right. The example I want to give today is going to Toltec wisdom, which is, you know, basically Central America and, and uh, Mexico kind of yeah. sorcery down there. A lower frequency would be Tetzalapolka, and he's kind of Quetzalcoatl's brother. He's a Toltec god representing all the darker aspects of the trickster and all that be, can be considered evil or immoral. Uh, Smoky Mirror is his nickname. So he's like a Loki kind of guy. Yes, and as he blocks the light of the true self, he, he's this darker aspect of his brother, and it's together when they combine. That, oh, there's know, that yin-yang thing again. Yeah, and he's the dark, yes, he's the yin, he's the yang, and I don't think you get anywhere until they actually resolve each other, and that's kind right. of a theme, again, that keeps coming up. It's also very Star Wars, like bringing balance to the Force. You have the Sith and the Jedi and all that. Like, it's pervasive through culture, that story. Well, we'll be talking about the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung, and that's what, uh, you know, that's what our friend at Star Wars, what's his name? Help me out. George Lucas yep. actually was based that on. So there's a right, connection right. there. But so from the Toltec side, the dark would be this dark god, smoky mirror, Tetzalpoca. The middle frequency, I think, would be from that area would be Carlos Castaneda, who's kind of on the hero's journey. He's trying to learn from his shaman. Yeah. But there's still organic beings out there. There's still this other, and he's fighting it. There's this journey quality. You know, we're going on a journey. We're on a journey. Let's go, right now. man. Monster lore tour for a reason. We're going on tour through the world of the cryptid. Exactly. And the monstrous and the alien 
and anything that might freak you out when you try to go to sleep tonight. And I think that's where we're starting is in that middle ground. And we could get dark or we could get light. I guess we'll yeah. find out. As well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that some episodes are actually light side. We find a way to do that. Well, but. on that note, the higher vibrational from that same Toltec wisdom, if those familiar with the Ruiz brothers, uh, the Four Agreements, um, Beyond Fear, those books about oh yeah, sure, sure, know, sure, looking totally at from a perspective of love. You know, you always say that your journey from hate to love, the long journey from hate to love. Yes, sir. That's the road we're on. Yep, I hate that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that's looking at the Toltec I'll, wisdom. I'll make sure to use it a lot then. There, thank you. <laughs> but there's your Toltec wisdom from a darker side, kind of from a middle, from the hero's journey at the end of or beginning of individuation of the death of the ego. And then you've got this higher enlightenment piece. Three, one area, three different from monstrous to, you know, to angelic basically. And uh, I think we're going to be yeah. exploring the darker realms in the beginning. And I think... Right. We're going to, you know, this is a monster podcast, so it's going to get pretty dark. Yeah. But I think you have to explore the dark with a flashlight before you can get to the light. And that's sure. Kinda and that's why it starts at hate and moves to love. Yep. We start in the darkness. We start in the cave and we move to the sun. So and it, you got I, I want to wrap this up. I know we went over for our first intro because we had so much fun chatting about future episodes, basically. We yeah, had some little, little teaser alerts. Um, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I do want to add... I will need your, your references and stuff, Moz, because we will be putting all the references, the books we mention, the authors, and all the different Oh, I can do that mentioned. right now. Hardy Boys in the Secret Tower, Hardy Boys in the tr- <laughs> and the, and the, the Terror Cliffs, and oh my God, the Hardy, Hardy Boys. Boys. And yeah, we're going to... I can get you all. Moz there. is old, everybody. <laughs> uh, but yes, we will be putting all those in the show notes. Uh, we'll try to say them in the episode when we are... Uh, of solid enough mind to do so but anything we miss will be in the show notes so you can check out our reading list basically yeah i'm going to give the full references and if i get something wrong let me know i do want to get it right i will have uh kind of apa style references at the end of each show and some of them are going to be five or six and some are going to be 56 because some of these things are getting deeper yeah and uh like i said i i'm hoping to be on the deeper end of the dives that you may be accustomed to Perfect. Yes, we're going to go as deep as we can manage down down with those giant squid on the bottom of the trench there. Yep. But uh, okay, so we'll wrap this one up. First episode in the books, everybody. Thanks for coming. Send your stories, questions, comments, anything we could add, correct, things like that to monsterlortor at gmail.com. And hopefully in the near future, we'll have some kind of chat space set up for our community to go and uh, have a little bit more collaboration in our communications right uh, so that does it thanks for coming everybody we will see you next time i'm batman have a good one listener No, 10 is always... Did you watch Spinal Tap?